0: This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we search for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Oren. And today, we are continuing in Galatians, and we're picking up in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And here it is. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you were no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God.
1: Okay, so... uh... Paul's uh, thought here is carried on from the end of chapter 23, where he references being uh, children of Abraham. And if we're children of Abraham, we are heirs according to the promise of God. And so he he follows that thought at the end of 3 into chapter 4, where he says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child... He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. And so Paul is making a reference to a common cultural practice where fathers in the in the Greek-Roman world at this time um, put their their sons especially under the care of usually a slave. A servant of the house was sort of the guardian of that child until he reached a particular age where he could be responsible with taking on the business of the father. Or the inheritance that the father would leave him, and so that that guardian would sort of manage that child's growing up years until he was ready. That's why Paul says until a time set by the a date set by the father. So usually all the way through their teenage years into young adulthood, these um, these sons of the father were were under the care of a guardian, a manager. It says here, but when the time came, he was given the responsibility of the of of, of the of the household. So, Paul makes a reference to us that before we became sons of God, we were ch- like children and we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. That word elemental things is a reference to a uh, kind of first laws or first practices. And what he's referring to there, I believe, is the, 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 um, the fundamental um, sort of ritualism and ceremonialism of religion itself right? So both Jew and Gentile would have understood what it means to be religious. We make a mistake if we think the pagans of the Greek Roman world were not religious. They were very religious. They just were, they, they had a false religion. Um, Whereas the Jews were worshiping the right God, but they were often worshiping him in the wrong way. And so you had what's called vain worship and, and false worship, and both were wrong. And so, the, the Gentiles and the Jews alike would have understood this sort of, this sort of basic um, ritualistic legalism that they all would have followed in order to gain something from their gods or from God. And so Paul compares us to being in bondage to that system. We're like children under a guardian, but that guardian was the wrong law. It was the wrong word. He says, but... When God or when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, Jesus, who was born of a woman, his humanity, he was a human man, born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And so Jesus was a human man sent from God, so he was also fully God, completely divine and completely human, right? But he was born under the law, which means that Jesus was subject to the blessings and the curses of the law. If he keeps the law, he's blessed. If he breaks it, he's cursed, just like we are. The good news is Jesus didn't break the law. He was perfect. Therefore, he only ever received the blessings of the law. The catch is though that he took on our curse for us. The curse that Jesus bore was not his own, it was ours for our law breaking. But what happens in that is by redeeming us and dying in our place, by believing in him, we are immediately given the status as a son. We are given the status of sons in the kingdom of God. So we do not have to wait until we are mature enough or old enough to receive the blessing that God promises through Jesus. The moment we believe by faith in Christ, we are given the blessing of the sons of God. And that word sons is important. And we'll talk more about this for sure in a moment. But in the room where this letter would have been read, there would have been men and women. There Probably many of them, the the wives of those men. And there also would have been slaves in the room. To be called a son in that culture at the time meant that you received an inheritance from your father. But women, or daughters, and slaves did not receive inheritance. So for Paul to write to the Galatians and tell everyone in that room who was a a follower of Christ, men, women, and slaves, you are all sons of God, what he was doing was raising the status of the women and the slaves equal to that of the men. Now, he did not erase their cultural distinctions. They were still men, women, and slaves in the world. But in the eyes of God, when it came to their condition of their hearts and souls, they were all on the same playing field, if you will. No one was, was more special than another. No one had a greater advantage than another. They were all considered sons because of their faith in Jesus Christ, and this is an important uh, distinction that Paul makes here. Because the Christian church is is, is it, the Christian church today should be treating believers the same way. There aren't better or worse. We're all we're all in the
0: same place in the eyes of God as sons. Amen. Um, what's the verse in First Corinthians where Paul talks about that great transferal? Or is it? It's in one of the Corinthians. Second Corinthians 5.21. 5.21. Yeah, like he pull that he made
1: him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God.
0: Bro, you crushed it. Yeah, is it that one heart. you just, like? how'd you, how'd you pull that <laughs> just, one out? Just, I it's learned
1: like, that one many, many, many years ago. It's just burned in my brain. I think I actually preached on it. I had it in my sermon this past Sunday, I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's in well, I, that's where Paul is super clear, because you talked about um, one of the things you just mentioned was how Christ got the blessings of the law or the cursings of the law, depending on his how he lived his life. And he lived his life perfectly, therefore receiving the blessing of the law. But there Paul talks about what the Reformers called that great transferal, where we get the good things Christ reaped from the law. Christ got the bad thing, the cursings that we reap from the law. Paul says it elsewhere in, in this same in Galatians, he says it like this: uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So it's not that uh, it's not that Christ was cursed, and this is I think we talked about this in that section. It's not that Christ was cursed because of the law because he failed the law; he perfectly upheld it. But he became a curse for us. Um, he was the, he was the curse. I also think it's it. very. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The propitiation. That's yeah, the exactly. yeah, ten The two buck uh, biblical term. Um, I also think it's interesting how Paul is talking about, and I wonder how the, the people in the audience would have heard it, because we've talked about the Judaizers, how they're... Uh, their view of the law was that, no, we need the Mosaic law. No, we need to get back to circumcision. No, we need to get back to the ceremonial aspects of the law. They, you know, they were trying to wed Christianity with Judaism. And Paul, at the beginning of this section, now he's moving on, probably tr- try and persuade them, those in the audience, saying, no, you don't understand. You're a, you're a child. You're, you're like a slave under this law. Um, and now that, but because Christ was under the law, now we're freed from it. I just wonder how, I just wonder how those, that, that original audience would have heard it.
1: Well, they, at this, at Um, this, at this point, the Judaizers would have been fuming, like they would have been ticked off. By the time Paul gets to this part in the letter, I mean, they are just fuming mad because he is basically undercut (laughs) them at every point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what I find, so the, the text that really gets me in this section, is that verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And that's that's me and you. That's everyone. Everyone's under the yeah, law. Everyone, yeah. And Christ came yeah. into the world, subjecting Himself to the very law that He founded. You know, there's that... Um, the When Christ becomes takes on flesh, there's these like weird paradoxical things where he's breathing the air that he created. He's drinking the water. He's being sustained by the things that he created. Um, That's what I, that's that paradox I see here that Christ founded this law. And yet now he's being subjected under it willingly for us on our behalf. Um, So that's really baffling. And I've heard, Historians talk about what you just talked about, where Christianity is uplifting women and children and all those that would have been looked down upon in this era. Um, and the historians talk about like if if you want to talk about equality and like these are it's not really even religious historians. Secular historians will talk about this where Christianity is one of the things is one of the religions that was unique for its time period. Because women were even leaders within the church. you know you have Lydia. Um, uh, and then how the Gospels talk about the first witnesses were women of of Christ's resurrection. that that's unheard of. that's and then talking about sonship and applying that to women in this time period uh, is just totally uh, twisting the whole. Roman situation and that that cultural situation that they're in.
1: All the people who bemoan Paul's chauvinism and he's for women are being oppressed, when you actually read the Bible, it's just simply not there. Paul was raising the status of women in a culture where they were only property, really. They were property of their husbands, or if they were daughters, they were property of their fathers. That was it. And so whatever cultural practices were going on, those were still in, in play here. Paul saying in that, in the family of God, you are all equal to sons because all the inheritance that God promises his son Jesus, by your faith in him, that inheritance is yours as well. So you can cry out Abba or Papa, Father. That's a term of affection, right? It's not just, hello, Father. It's not this sort of um, distant, sort of a transactional relationship. This is your dad, Where you can come to him and give him a hug and sit on his knee and he can, you know, help you in your, in your time of crisis or whatever it is. And we do that because and Paul says it very clearly, because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts. So we receive the spirit, which makes us able to know God as our father, not as this distant deity. It's not a transactional relationship. It's a loving, giving relationship because of all that God's given us in Christ, we return to him the praises that that is due his name. So Paul says in verse seven, you're not a slave any longer. Don't act like a bunch of slaves. You're a son, and if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. So don't live like slaves bound to a legalistic law-keeping system that is only going to be a noose around your neck. Be free from that and live in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, I think of um, I think of Esther, where she's going. She she has to make a decision to go into the king to see the king, to plea for her people. Uh, but at the time she has to go in, um, if she goes in and she d- and the king doesn't accept her, she could be put to death. Um, and I think of, that's kind of what I have in mind where I, when I hear this Abba Father aspect of us going before the throne of God. Who, who dares go before the throne of God uh, in, in the sinful manner that we are? It's, it's his children, It's his loved ones that can go before him. And so we don't have to tremble like Esther did before that king. We can go in uh, knowing that we have the full weight of God's love. We can be assured that he is for us. Um, Just like we talked about in Psalm 23, where God is with me, uh, even in in the worst of times, God is with me. Those are the times that I can go before God. And it's because he's my Abba Father. He's my he's my dad, you know? And, and I get, I, I don't, I don't like using that because it's kind of weird yeah, to say is. that.
1: Daddy, daddy God. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's weird, but the man. same, yeah. it is, it is. But the same sort of like loving cry that Sam cries for me in the middle of the night. Cause he's scared that level of that, that closeness of dad, when he cries out that's the kind of cry that we can cry to god exactly
1: i th- i think about it this way i think about when you go to your house you don't have to knock to go in the door you just walk in right that's right
0: but if you're at right. someone
1: else's house you knock to be polite before you go barging in. When it comes to God, we don't have to knock. It's your house. You're the son. Just go right in. It belongs to you yeah. because he made it for you. You are an inheritor of all the blessings. So that passage in Corinthians says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. So by faith in Christ, everything that God promises in Jesus is ours. All the blessings of the of the promise, where it goes all the way back to Abraham. That and as I, I said this and I think in the last episode of the one before, I can't remember, where when God promised Abraham that the offspring of Abraham would be a blessing to the nations, he was talking about Jesus. We are the nations mm. that he was speaking about. We are the peoples mm. that God said would be blessed in knowing Christ. And so all those then who are in faith in Jesus are also that blessing to the world. We are a blessing to the nations. When well, we we go forth in faith as Sons, Not as those seeking to be adopted, but, but we already are adopted. And there's a real need for us to make sure we have that identity shift on where we're not trying to get something that's not already ours. You have all of it fully and freely. Go in that reality and live your life to honor your father rather than trying to um, to earn his favor so that he might decide to be your father. He's already agreed to it because Christ purchased everything that was necessary to make it so.
0: Amen. That feels like a good place to end. And until next time, Lord, turn our eyes to Jesus.